This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Lots of good stuff coming up today on the show. Got to mention a bunch of du- bunch of different things on today's show. A lot of different uh, variety to get to today. Jerry Zagoda, who covers Minnesota United Soccer for the Star Tribune, will join me here in a little bit to talk about the Loons, their struggles to score goals, especially to finish goals this season and how that's contributed to a less than perfect start to the year for them. They have a big match tonight at Allianz Field against the Los Angeles Galaxy. So I'll get into that with Jerry here in a few minutes. Got to talk. Lynx got their first win on Tuesday. Big one for them. Twins lost in Oakland and sent down their hottest hitter, Royce Lewis. Probably not a surprise with Carlos Correa ready to come back, but an interesting decision nonetheless for a team that hasn't uh, hasn't scored runs at the clip. Maybe they want to this year. We'll get to some comments from Bill Guerin, um, Wild general manager, met with the media on Tuesday, kind of a postscript to the season. Get into more details on that on Thursday's show, too, when I'm expected to be joined by Sarah McClellan, Star Tribune Wild beat writer. And by the way, Friday's show special treat for everybody on Friday's show. Did an interview earlier this week with Bud Grant, former Vikings head coach, legend, turns 95 on Friday. And I uh, had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week. Great conversation with him about life and football. I will use that on Friday's show during his 95th birthday. So I hope you guys enjoy the Friday show as well. Plus, we got to get to uh, the Vikings Um and Kellen Mond and a lot of different players talked during their little mini camp on uh, on Tuesday. They're they're back on the field this week, kind of the first taste of life under Kevin O'Connell. And um, so, wanted to get to that as well because I thought some of what they had to say was interesting. And people keep asking me about Kellen Mond, like what's up with him now? Well, we heard from him, and uh, you know, sounds like he's m- making progress. But we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. But uh, but first. What did I miss? I think we've got to start um, with the NBA draft lottery. You know, we if you're a Timberwolves fan or, or, or follow the Timberwolves, the draft lottery over the years has been kind of a, a, a big date you circle, circle on the calendar, right? When you're, you know, the, the flip side of not making the playoffs for 13 straight seasons is that you are almost all the time unless you've traded your pick or something weird has happened um you know like illegal contracts you usually have your you know you usually have a pick in a lottery and you know sometimes it, you know if you particularly finish poorly that lottery pick is going to be pretty high and the wolves let's face it have had a lot of poor finishes that have necessitated them being in the lottery getting a chance to you know getting getting a chance to get themselves better and sometimes that has not worked out for them sometimes it has you know, most recently, of course, it certainly worked out for them two years ago when they got the number one overall pick, chose Anthony Edwards um, from Georgia, of course, and now, you know, he's on the path to stardom, had a very good uh, rookie year, even better even better second season. So, you know, sometimes it's worked out for him. Other times, though, it has not. I mean, you can go back all the way to, of course, the draft when the Wolves picked Christian Leitner third. The, the records would have said the Wolves should have the first overall pick, but they dropped a third in the lottery. Shaquille O'Neal and, and Alonzo Mourning go one and two in that draft would have changed the franchise's history. 
Now, I mean, even you know, even as recently as 2011, when Kyrie Irving was number one overall, and the Wolves ended up with Derek Williams number two overall, even if he was the consensus number two pick, did not work out. So there's been a lot of years where the lottery just kicked the Wolves while they were down. This year was just different because I did not pay a single bit of attention to the lottery when when the Wolves, you know, the Wolves rarely make the playoffs, but when they do, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, they're not. They're not in this thing, so I wasn't even aware that the drawing was um, was Tuesday night. Uh, I didn't. I just didn't. Re- I just didn't realize that that was what was happening. The Orlando Magic, um, as it turns out, after I, as I found out after the fact, won the draft lottery, um, got got the number one overall pick. Sacramento, by the way, uh, got got some lottery luck, jumped into the top four, um, so that was a big uh, big one for them as well. But you know, interesting, Orlando could have a chance to draft Chet Holmgren, um, the former Minnehaha Academy star, former Gonzaga player, because um, that would be interesting because they drafted Jalen Suggs last year, and now they could have a chance to make his teammate, his former high school teammate, um, the number one overall pick, if that's the if that's the way they decide to go with the number one overall pick. Now, it's not clear exactly who they who they will pick but it's interesting to uh to to think about that so you know the larger point being i didn't think about the lottery at all that's a rare position for someone who follows the wolves quite a bit to be in um but this year is just different maybe there will maybe they won't be in the lottery that much anymore in future years as well you know which is good of course because it would mean they were making the playoffs but also if you're of the mind that they need one more difference-making player, they're going to need to do it in a creative way. Can they get it with the number 19 pick in the draft this year, which is what they have? I don't know. They're going to have to do their homework and find someone uh, someone of that caliber at that spot that can maybe help them and make them better. We will see. Um, but the bigger point being the lottery was Tuesday night, and I don't think Wolves fans paid a single bit of attention to it, and that is a rarity for their history. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have Jerry Zagoda on today's Daily Delivery covers Minnesota United soccer for the Star Tribune. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I know you were, were talking on... Tuesday afternoon, you were just out at training for the Loons. I'm imagining they are working around the clock on how to put the ball in the net because that's been a big problem for them this year. They did it once in Seattle. Their most recent loss actually had a 1-0 lead at the break, if I'm not mistaken, a goal by Robin Ludd, but gave up three in the second half, uncharacteristic for them. Um, but by and large, though, offense has been the problem this year. Um, Jerry, have they, do they, do they know what's broken or, wh- or why they, why they're having such a hard time finishing and, and getting, you know, getting good looks on, on net? Well, they always say, you know, the trouble in the, uh, 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 not, not able to, to finish in the final third. They thought they had probably solved that one, you know, they went out and really added to that position. I mean, they went out and got uh, Dunlady. They already had Unu here. Um, they go back and get Luis Amaria, and I don't think they expected that to be a problem I mean, all along. Adrian Heath has said, you know, I know this team can score goals. Well, it really hasn't. They've been at their best uh, 
when they've moved uh, Robin Ludd from that right side attacker position, put him up top in that sort of quote unquote false striker position. That's where they've been their best. You know, they haven't really, you know, they're paying Unu more money than anybody and they haven't uh, uh, really played him at all this year. And then a guy like uh, Amaria, um, his wife had a baby, then he got sick. I think he got COVID. So he's been down. He came back and played uh, as a second half sub on, on uh, Sunday in Seattle, but, they just haven't, you know, been able. They've had certainly had plenty of chances. They just haven't been able to finish it. And I don't know if that speaks to the the quality of the strikers they have, and they they're not as good as they they thought they were, or if it's just a passing thing, or or, or what it is. But it certainly has been an issue and one that you wouldn't have expected when the when the season began, especially since the investment they put in that position. So that's got to be frustrating for them because they did. You're right. I mean, this has been. You know, some ongoing problem. I would say defense was their identity last year when they made the postseason. And if, if you know, obviously that's why they invested more in it in the off season. I guess is there, you know, as you talk to manager Adrian Heath or, you know, or or the group, are they optimistic about anything changing or is this still very much a, a work in progress until something does change? Well, I think they... they I... I think they still have the confidence, and I think Keith still thinks this team can can score goals. But but you know you've you've, you've got to do it. So and uh, uh, they just had stretches where you know they just they they um, can't finish plays. I mean Ludd, I think leads them in goals and probably could have close to you know that many more in good chances that they haven't uh, finished at. So. I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of options at this point. There's, you know, the last uh, transfer window is behind them. The next one's at least, I think, a month coming up. And uh, um, I think Adrian just sort of thinks, uh, well, it'll test his faith here and uh, and his words to see if this team really can score goals because he said all along it, it will and, and can and, and, and it hasn't so far. Now, it doesn't get much easier when it comes to that just looking at the schedule LA Galaxy Wednesday night that game at Allianz Field and then uh, FC Dallas coming up this weekend if I'm looking at it correctly those are the two stingiest teams at least in the Western Conference LA's given up just 10 goals in 11 games Dallas just eight goals in 11 games I mean those are in fact you know two of, yeah, two of the premier defensive you know teams in the league and two of the better teams in the Western Conference. It's, you know, for a team like the Loons that definitely had, you know, aspirations this year, but sit 10th in the table right now, four wins, five losses, two draws, you know, largely being kept in it by, you know, defense and and the goalkeeping of Dane St. Clair in a lot of this season. Um, it's, it's good. It feels like it's starting to become a little bit of an uphill climb. How are they, you know, how are they, aside from, you know, trying to, get themselves right tactically how are they how are they holding up in terms of their own confidence in you know just being able to win matches yeah well i mean uh they keep saying they have it you know but again you have to uh you have to do it maybe this improved new uh pitch they're getting that they're putting in at Allianz field will uh will help them maybe the ball will bounce a little bit better and uh and be on their side but um you know they, they've got uh you know they've got these stretches where they got so many games c- coming um uh wednesday saturday wednesday and then you know they've got the u.s open cup game even after dallas so uh um 
you know, hopefully they can get a little momentum, get a, uh, a victory here, a victory there, and, and uh, get back because they're starting to fall beneath that playoff line more than you'd like to see. You don't want to lose uh, a track of that, but they're not alone. I mean, down there with them already. Still, is Seattle, if you look at the, the standings and a team that historically has always been good, like Sporting Kansas City. So there's a couple other teams down there with them. But, uh, you know, they don't want to lose too much touch with that. So this is an important stretch coming up. And they've always had trouble in Seattle, I believe. But Seattle had a stretch this year where they didn't win much at home, but it was bookended by wins over the loons out there. Is this just a problem with finishing, or is it more? Are they feeling like they're still getting enough of the run of the play to feel good about their their system and how they're approaching the attack, or is it more of a a holistic problem with the attack in general? Well, if you talk to Adrian, I think he thinks that you know it's just that they've. You know, that a game like Sunday when it was 3-1 has just been, you know, misleading that they had the run of the play for most of it. And then he was rather harsh calling it either either stupid or stupidity of some of the individual errors they made. But I think he thinks that overall they've been competitive. It's just those chances that they haven't taken. It's gotten away from them. Like, uh, you know, they were you mentioned or they were up one nothing against Seattle and it could have been more than all of a sudden. There's a penalty, and all of a sudden it's three-one before you know it. So I, I think he still has good confidence in them. I think he still thinks they, you know, in the vast majority of games have outplayed the other uh, team, but just haven't uh, haven't finished off the goals and haven't finished off the games. Interesting uh, personal connection for the Loons in Wednesday's game. Chase Gasper coming back with Los Angeles. Um, what do you imagine that will be like? Well, it'll be good. It'll be a good homecoming. It's it's fast i mean they just yeah. uh you know it's been a couple of weeks since they uh, they traded him i know he was very well liked and um i know the fans liked him and he you know he put in a lot of a lot of runs covered a lot of mileage in those three years he was here as a starter so uh um it'll be interesting it's good that he, the, the first game is that it's not in la but it's coming home to Allianz to to, to play yeah, I agree with that. Should be a good one at Allianz Wednesday night. Jerry, before I let you go, let's switch just a little bit to the Aurora, the women's soccer team that opens next week. Um, you know, maybe just kind of a uh, for, for those who aren't familiar with with Aurora, with the Aurora, they're playing out at um, well, I believe they were playing at TCO Performance Center, right? That's where their home games will be. The Vikings, uh, the Vikings practice facility and that big facility out there. Um, you know, it seems like they've got some some generating some buzz for for this opener next week. Yeah, they've they've created a lot of buzz for a team that's you know basically a development league. It's not the it's not the NWSL, but right. it's a a place where you know players will be discovered and, and come from. And it's that's a uh, I haven't seen a game there yet, but it looks just from being over there for Vikings practices like a pretty good intimate venue and kind of the right spot for for this team. And you know they've made some signings, got 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 a little bit of buzz. Uh, Sold some ownership stakes, I think. So um, it'll be interesting to see what how they draw and uh, and how they fare. Seems like they've got a pretty good backing from Loons players too. I've seen a little bit of you know cross promotion, social media stuff like that. Yeah, they, they, I mean uh, it's it's good it's good for the sport, um, and uh, it'll it'll be uh, you know interesting to see. I think they start what on, on the twenty twenty sixth. See yep. what kind of crowd they get. Should be interesting. Should be interesting to see how the Loons fare. On uh, on Wednesday night against LA Galaxy, Loons just 12 goals this season. Not a lot, not enough. Need to start putting more in on those chances. But you know what? It's a long season. We're only 11 matches in. There's still 
kind of right in that uh, right in that zone where you know one or two wins suddenly they're up in you know fifth or sixth in the table. So we'll see if they can get that straightened out. Jerry, good stuff. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Good catching up with Jerry Zagoda. Does a good job covering the loons for the Star Tribune, and you know, tough. Uh, you know, when the object of the game is putting putting the ball in the net. It's hard when you're just struggling in that kind of final finishing touch of of the uh, of the equation. That's just a that's a frustrating thing for a team. Whether it's you know hockey, if you can't finish, like the Wild sometimes has had that problem in the playoffs, um, or you know, or with the Loons this year, where you you feel like you're getting good chances, you're not just not capitalizing on them. Um, you know that that that's frustrating, and that's going to be a, a thing that they're going to have to work through this year. Obviously, they're going to need to score more as the year goes on if they're going to get themselves into better position. But it is a long year, and uh, you know certainly nothing nothing done for them yet. But a chance to prove that they can do it again tonight against Los Angeles. Speaking of proving you can do it, and speaking of proving it is a long season, the Lynx. Started 0-4 this year, just like they did a season ago. Last year, they finished 22-10, and which math, quick math, will tell you, means they went 22-6 and over their final uh, 28 games. I did not have the same confidence in them this year after they started 0-4. It looked like they were discombobulated. It looked like their roster was in chaos. Well, guess what? They get Kayla McBride back on Tuesday night, go into Los Angeles, and win 87-84, their first victory of the season. Clinched the win on a, a layup and foul. Uh, Kayla McBride with two seconds left. Very nice-looking play. Kayla McBride obviously had a huge impact in her first game back after playing overseas. 24 points, three assists, a couple steals, a few rebounds. Um, a pretty efficient 8 of 18 from the field. Sylvia Fowles was huge in this game. 20 points, 12 rebounds, a couple blocks. And, uh, you know, they, they got some contributions from uh, from the rest of their lineup as well. Mariah Jefferson, you know, the point guard they brought in, ran the offense very well. 20 points, 6 assists, 4 steals, 7 rebounds. If she can play like that for the rest of the year, they will be in very good shape. Um, you know, so even without Ariel Powers getting going, she was just one of nine for five points. They beat a good L.A. Sparks team on the road, so they've got to be feeling a little bit better about that, about where they're at after that 0-4 start. After the game, head coach and general manager Cheryl Reeves seemed much relieved and had a had a chance to chat about, uh, you know, just the impact of Kayla McBride on this game. Here was her answer to that question from Kent Youngblood of the Star Tribune. Obviously, you've been around and you've seen um, Kayla's impact in terms of uh, the pace of play. That you got a garter. Uh, that just gave us another dimension. And, and, you know, to be able to get a little, bo- little more easy offense from other places, um, that's what we've been lacking. And so... Certainly uh, didn't necessarily know that came at it. Could I knew she would be in shape because she, you know, she's coming off of playing. Uh, don't necessarily like playing that many minutes, but she was that good. It was hard to hard to take her out. And then uh, big possession at the end there, uh, where you know we, we knew she would get chased and, and uh, just threw right over the top there, and she did a really strong finish to seal the game. Um, so certainly a player of the game for us tonight, and uh, she's super happy. You know, she's she's a. Uh, uh, captain of this team and wants her play to be uh, contagious and it was 
all of that, and then some. So we're we're happy she's back. So another tough one for the Lynx next. They play the Las Vegas Aces. We'll see how that game goes, but certainly looking like more of the team they envisioned at the start of the year, and we'll see if they can dig themselves out of another 0-4 hole this season. Twins lost in Oakland. It wasn't Dylan Bundy's fault. He pitched three scoreless innings, but Josh Winder, who had been very good in his first two starts this year, kind of piggybacked off of the Dylan Bundy start, did not go his way, gave up five runs. Twins lose 5-2, to two. home run and a double from Royce Lewis, their top prospect, who's filled in very well for Carlos Correa when Carlos Correa has been out with that injured finger. And then uh, after the game, finds out he is being sent down because Correa is ready to come back from the injury, even though he's probably been one of their better hitters so far this season. Um, so interesting decision there. Interesting, uh, you know, interesting thing to deal with for for him. But I'm, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be fine. He needs to play every day, right? He's probably going to be their starting shortstop in 2023. He's given them a glimpse of what he can do. He's got to give them. Got to be very encouraging to the Twins that he was able to do everything he's done so far. You know, hitting very well, hitting 308. He's got four doubles, two home runs. He's played solidly at shortstop. But uh, you know. Rocco Baldelli, Twins manager, had this to say after the game. He said, any time a guy is playing the way Royce is playing for us and you're not going to be able to potentially put him in the lineup where you want, things get imperfect pretty quickly. Um, he said, it's not an easy decision. He's played great. He's got some electricity in that bat for a wiry guy. He said, we're going to move him around the field a little bit to get him a little bit of exposure at different spots. The last thing we want to do is start sending him all over the field to play in places where he's literally never played a game. Bouncing him all around right now, probably not the best way to go and not the best way to prepare him to play at this level. So mostly it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's it's primarily about him playing every day. He's not going to play every day if, uh, you know, if, if, Carlos Correa is holding down shortstop and you don't want to start messing around with him when he's in a comfort level when he's in a groove and putting him all over the field even though he might at some point be you know kind of one of those guys who can play two or three different positions if he's settling in at shortstop and this is your shortstop of the future for the next five to ten years you do probably need to take a long view of this but it's tough because the twins you know for all of their strengths this year for all of their good start and their first place standing right now in the AL Central haven't really hit all that well. Uh, a lot, you know, they've been inconsistent at the plate, and he's been one of their most consistent hitters since he's come up. And to have that bat out of the lineup is is a tough blow for them. So I'll be interested to see if he comes back at some point this season, even if Carlos Correa is healthy, just to see, you know, is he too good to keep off the field? Is he too good that you you just can't have him not? You know, not in the big leagues right now. That will be the question, especially as the year goes on. So I'll be watching for that. But you got to be encouraged if you're the Twins and a Twins fan about the way he played so far, especially coming off of you know ACL surgery, the freak injury. Hadn't really played a real game in over two years before this year because of pandemic in 2020, and then the injury last season. And all of a sudden, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Looks every bit worthy of being that number one overall pick five years ago. So. That part is encouraging, even if the short term for Royce Lewis is disappointing that he's getting sent down to St. Paul. Wild general manager Bill Guerin met with the media on Tuesday, kind of a wrap-up of the season. 
kind of, you know, the big question going into the offseason. Again, like I said at the beginning, Sarah McClellan, and I will get into this a little bit more on Thursday's show, is, you know, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter's buyouts uh, hit the cap pretty hard next year. They were $4.7 million hit this year, $12.7 million next year. So basically, with the cap only going up a million dollars, they have about $7 million less to spend on players in 2022-23 than they did a year ago, if you just do the math. Now, again, they were able to craft a pretty good team this season, probably the best team in franchise history, balanced scoring, good depth. They had everything they needed. They were able to do that even with, you know, Parisi and Suter hitting the books to the effect of $4.7 million. What will they be able to do at $12.7 million with the cap going up a little bit? So $7 million less. If you do the math on that and you think you want to keep a lot of players, but you're not going to, you know, you don't feel like you have to add a ton of players, $7 million could be about what a Kevin Fiala will cost after the year he had, even though he did not have a great showing in the playoffs. That could be the difference between this year's team and next year's team. No Kevin Fiala. You know, assuming you know, other salaries stay relatively flat, other guys don't need huge raises. You know, guys like Kalen Addison, Marco Rossi making the jump full time into the you know into the lineup. You know, Addison on the blue line, Marco Rossi in the top nine forwards. You know, and Garen said, told reporters on Tuesday, we knew exactly what we were doing. We knew exactly what position we were putting ourselves in in reference to those buyouts for Parisi and Suter. I'd do it again. We're just going to deal with it. And he didn't sound terribly optimistic that they're going to be able to bring Fiala back. He said, there's uncertainty. We'd love to have Kevin back. I don't know if it's going to be possible. Anytime a general manager says something like that, you can read the writing on the wall. Unless something weird happens, unless there's not a Kevin Fiala market, which I couldn't imagine there wouldn't be a Kevin Fiala market after the year he had, 33 goals, 85 points, even with the zero goals in six games in the playoffs and all the penalties he took, the disappointing run he had there, there's going to be a robust market for someone who can score like that, who emerged as a scorer like that. That's going to be a hit for the Wild next year. That, you know, that, that takes a bite out of some of their, you know, some of their offensive balance because it was so it was nice during the year that they didn't just have to lean, lean on Kirill Kaprizov. And again, it, it won't just be, you know, you will be able to replace Kevin Fiala if you move on from him, but you won't be able probably to replace him with someone who has that level of skill and that level of goal scoring. So that will be a deficit on next year's team. Interestingly, they seem like they're trying to bring back Mark Andre Fleury, uh, the goalie they signed, or goalie they traded for at the deadline to rotate again with Cam Talbot. That's an interesting one to me because I don't know what kind of salary he will command. He just finished up with a $7 million deal. I don't think he's going to get that much being on the back end of his career now. But, you know, if they can sign him for half that, is it worth it? Or do you, you know, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. He's 37 years old. He was pretty good after the after the pickup. He was okay in the playoffs, I'd say a little bit disappointing to me, but again, not a lot of that was his fault, and he did fare better than Cam Talbot, who gave up those, you know, he lost 5-1 in uh, in the game he started, so it would give them a very good goaltending tandem if he was able to stay here, but again, that costs money, how much will they be able to afford, so interesting questions for the Wild this offseason, and again, we'll get into that more on Thursday's show. Let's finish with the cooler Vikings mini camp um, OTAs, whatever you want to call them. Starting this week, they had you know, a bunch of different players available to the media. Looks like Daniil Hunter is 
looking good after last year's injuries. Um, you know, they've got all the, you know, Darius Smith looking good. He's joining, you know, joining Hunter on the on the field, looking like they could be a pretty good tandem rushing the passer. But the guy that I was most interested in was Kellen Mond. Like, this time last year, we were all, you know, all in on Kevin Mo- Kellen Mond, right? We were talking about, you know, is, the, is he the future quarterback? Is he going to push, you know, push Kirk Cousins this season? Um, if Cousins struggles, will we see Kevin, will we see Kellen Mond? And we just did not. And he, you know, Mike Zimmer had all sorts of comments about Kellen Mond and why he didn't play because he just wasn't ready. He wasn't very good. I mean, the Vikings went ahead and re-signed Sean Manning again as the backup in 2022, meaning that Mond is very much on a developmental track. Now, he does have a better probably support system now with Kevin O'Connell as his head coach, a former quarterback um, in the NFL himself. Lots of good support there, but reporters caught up with Mond afterwards just about what he's been working on. Here is what he had to say. Uh, I'm just out here having fun, and I'm, I'm just looking to get better every day. And, you know, every single day I, I do certain things that are, that are good, and, you know, I'm able to come to the side, talk to Kevin, and, you know, there's always certain things that I could do slightly better. And, you know, I, I go back and I evaluate the tape, and then I try to get better every day. So, you know, I'm not really worried about, you know, competition and all these different things. You know, I think if, uh, you know, if I handle myself, if I play the best that I can, then, you know, things will work itself out. It's great. You know, Kevin, uh, we're able to talk to him. You know, Wes Phillips, who's super knowledgeable, Gerard Johnson and Chris and every. So we got a really elite quarterback room along with the players, too, as well. So, again, interesting to watch his development. Will he still be Part of this mix, is he a quarterback of the future? Vikings certainly didn't draft one in 2022. Maybe they still feel like there's something there. But a much different 2022 than we felt about Mon in 2021. We'll have to see more from him this year to feel like he is anything close to the quarterback of the future. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery. Like I said, Sarah McClellan tomorrow. Bud Grant, 95th birthday show on Friday should be a fun one there as well. Great conversation with him. So I hope you will enjoy that one. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you again tomorrow.